Welcome back to Design Details. This is episode 280. I'm here changing up the intro script. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Bach. Uh, I just follow what you say and then I say my name and then we do an ad read. That's exciting. (laughs) It's It's a formula. No, there's a little bit of ad lib, like what we're doing literally right um, now, and then not formula structure. Let's call it structure. Okay, we yeah, want, we sure, sure, fine. It's important for this show to be predictable in in certain ways that people know what they're getting when they press that play button. Sure, it's, it's an art, not a science. But mostly art. I consider myself a podcast <laughs> artist. I'm going to add that to my Twitter bio right now. Mm-hmm. Uh huh fun episode coming up we're going to talk a little bit about last week's episode and then we're going to dig into visual design so stay tuned before we get into that we want to thank our sponsors plural for making this episode possible this episode of design details is brought to you by abstract who's back again to sponsor the show abstract abstract i abstract uh design workflow management for modern design teams so Today, designers spend a ton of time searching for files and consolidating feedback from a bunch of different sources, and you never really know what changes have been incorporated or what's actually been approved. So Josh Brewer, who is a former Twitter principal designer, he founded Abstract, and Abstract is kind of like GitHub, but for designers. So it's it's basically your team's version-controlled source of truth for design work, right? So you're, you're bringing all your design workflow into a single unified place for designers, developers, and stakeholders to uh, collaborate and keep working forward. So there's a ton of companies that use this. There's uh, Intuit and Zappos and MailChimp and thousands of others across like 75 different countries. Um, they all rely on Abstract to improve the design workflows and increase their collaboration possibilities. So with Abstract, what can you do? Uh, you can version your design files. You can present work. You can request reviews or collect feedback. You can give developers direct access to all of your specs, and it's all from one place. So you can sign your team up for a free 30-day trial today by heading over to www.goabstract.com. Uh, and if you tweet at GoAbstract or at DesignDetailsFM, that's us. Uh, with the phrase, improve my design workflow, you'll be entered for a chance to win a $500 credit to their business plan. 500 really bones cool. for a tweet. <laughs> that's a ton of, that's a ton of money a for a business plan. That's a lot of bones for a tweet. Yeah. For, so many bones. For like 30 characters. Like a full, Come on. full skeleton. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, improve my design workflow at GoAbstract or at us uh, at Design Details FM. Get that $500 credit for the business plan. Thanks, Abstract. Get that 30-day trial, too. Uh, at goabstract.com. But also, I just want to call out their uh, their website's just really, really good. Like, I think it's worth poking around because they I've learned a lot from their website with their How It Works page because they basically designed a comic that, <laughs> like, shows you how it works. And I think it's interesting because Abstract is doing really, really powerful things, and they need to make it simple to understand and and get on board. So yeah, anyways, uh, fan of the website, it's worth checking out. That's it, goabstract.com. Our second sponsor, they're back again, ReadyMag. ReadyMag is a design tool that lives in your browser. It lets you draw the design for any web publication that you have sitting in your brain space, and it lets you publish it online. You don't have to write a single line of code. It gives you complete creative freedom. They've given you tons and tons of resources that you can use for free right out of the box. They have a library of more than 1,500 fonts I guess you could use all of those in one design if you wanted to. 
But if you are just happy with the one font, they also have advanced animation tools. Uh, they give you unlimited projects and so much more. You can learn more by going to readymag.com. You should check out what they're building. You should check out uh, some, some of the work that people have already created on ReadyMag. So we've been talking about uh, Claudio Guglieri's work and his, his case studies and blog posts that he's basically created this um, bespoke visuals and typography and photography, all for these little posts. And they're all hosted and created on ReadyMag. So that's at readymag.com. Uh, you can sign up for free right now. But if you're ready to upgrade to the advanced plan, you get lots of cool things. You get a custom domain. You can add your own custom fonts. You can add analytics. And if you are so inclined to code, you can even add your own custom code to make the thing do what you want it to do. So this is a perfect option that fits both uh, freelancers and design studios. But you can get started today. And when you're ready to upgrade, the first 50 users who apply the promo code design details are going to get 40% off that first payment. Again, that's promo code design details. The first 50 people to use that are going to get 40% off their first payment. So thank you so much to ReadyMag. We have links to beautiful things created on ReadyMag in our show notes. Otherwise, just go to readymag.com and sign up for free. Thanks, ReadyMag, and thanks, Abstract. Good sponsors this week, Brian. Like, Ooh, we're pulling in the quality sponsors. sponsors. All right, Marshall, let's dig into it. Catch me up on some follow-up from last week. Yeah, so uh, last week we talked about performance reviews and promotions, and I, I wanted to add a little, bit, a little bit of clarity to the things I said last week. So I, I must confess, I when we started talking about this, my brain went immediately to promo like to getting a promotion and i think you were mostly talking about performance reviews just like the regular cycle of like improving your own performance uh, by getting feedback from others so some of the things i said i think outside of that lens might not have made total sense like have strangers review you and stuff like that right doesn't I make see. a whole lot of sense so just to clarify if you listened to last week's episode and you're like why would strangers be reviewing me? It's because I was mostly talking about committees and, and, and promo. So big company things. Yeah, yeah, big company things. Yeah, and that, that's the other thing is like this is a lot, a lot of uh, big company specific advice I was giving. Also, another thing that was mentioned was uh, talking about negative aspects of your performance. And again, I was talking about that from a promotional standpoint but yeah there should there's there's always going to be negative feedback in your reviews because usually your review asks your peer reviewers uh to say you know what could this person improve and so obviously that's going to have something that you're not perfect at but that's a good thing so uh, yeah yes i think that there should be conversations of things you can improve especially if it's just like a nip it in the bud type thing those should be yeah, conversations yeah. that are had on the side but like of course you're going to hear feedback that isn't 100% positive in your peer review because they're asked what isn't 100% positive, what could, you could improve. Right. And and that's a good thing to hear because it will help you grow. Yeah, my intuition on that was if it's, if it's feedback that could actually have impact on your career, like you could get fired for it or something, that's yeah. feedback that should be had the second that it happens in a side mm -hmm. conversation with a manager that is not like performance review time feedback. Performance yep. review type feedback is like, you know, could improve their communication around what is the latest mock. <laughs> mm -hmm. Or 
take on more responsibility, like take more yeah. ownership over a thing. Where, yeah, 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 yeah. If it's a major firing offense or something, that should be <laughs> dealt with in person, right? Not over email, not over chat. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if we need to preface that this show is the our opinions and not the opinions of our employer, et cetera, et cetera. True. I, I hope people understand that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's important that I make clear that these are my thoughts and my thoughts alone. Thanks, Google. <laughs> I'm just going to start referring to you as Google. So, Google, tell me a little bit about hiring and performance uh-huh. reviews. Uh-huh. Beep boop. Okay, Google, I want to talk about visual design this week. I couldn't find anything for that. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would also like to talk about visual design. That's a pretty okay. big... When you brought this up, I was like, that's a big question. Okay. You know in uh, Scott Pilgrim, when uh, Knives Chow asks young Neil what he plays, and he's like, that's kind of a big question. No, I don't remember that. Zelda, Tetris. Well, that's okay. what this was, but, but about okay. design. Somebody has seen that movie and knows what I'm talking about. I've seen it. I don't have movie memory like you do, Marshall. You're you're too good at that. I've seen that movie a ton of times. It's one of my favorite movies. So Fair enough. You're forgiven for not knowing every line like I, I do. Okay. Thank you, Google. Is this going to be a running gag? I'll ease up, but I'll, I'll hit you at surprise intervals and, and okay. see how see how quickly you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, that's perfect. I love it. Cool. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I'll start us off because I can ask you a couple questions to get the ball rolling because this is a, a big topic. I want to talk about visual design, but what I, I've been having conversations with people, I guess over the years, but had one recently that just re-sparked this whole problem that a lot of, I think, younger designers face, which is feeling as though you are doing well with product thinking, you understand some of the higher level user experience philosophies and, and how to build great user experiences and solve problems. But when it comes to putting pixels on the canvas, uh, a lot of younger folks just tell me they struggle with you know, making the visuals look good. And so you see this in a lot of younger portfolios where it's obvious the visuals are the thing that's lacking, but you try and read the words and focus on on the problem they were solving and you see that there is actually great thinking there. So I tweeted out to people uh, on my Twitter, people who follow me, I asked, how did you approach visuals in your early days? And then I asked like people who are a little further along in their career, how are you continuing to improve your visual skills right now? So Marshall, let me just throw that at you. I'm curious how you initially got over the hump of those first visual skills to sort of prove you can make something that looked okay enough. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, uh, copy. <laughs> copy, copy, copy. <laughs> find something so, Find something that you think looks good. Take a screenshot of it. Bring it into Sketch or Photoshop or Illustrator or whatever it is you lose, use uh, mm-hmm. Figma. And recreate the entire interface on top of the screenshot you took pixel by pixel, make sure everything is lined up perfectly. And then you can step back and look at, at, or or as you're doing it, look at why are, why is this piece of text this far away from this other piece of text? Are there baselines that are a certain distance apart or like the, the text boxes themselves or are they aligned inside of rows that have specific heights that have a rhythm? Like, I mean, one of the a good thing you could do is go back to episode 271, Principles of, of Design, where we go through a lot of this basic stuff that you can use those philosophies from that episode to apply to what you're looking at. And like, okay, what what uh, examples of uh, Fitz Law can I find in this interface? Or what examples of, of rhythm or cadence can I find? Yeah, but like copy, that's what I did. And it's interesting because when I... When I was coming up as a as a young lad, skeuomorphism was was all the rage in the sock hops and um, 
everybody was uh, making buttons that were had shadows and glossy and bejeweled and everything had inset button containers and everything was like very very touchy feely texture wood and felt and shit yep which i ate up with a large spoon yum 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 mm. and since then that has gone away but but that was an interesting aspect of my copying phase was just trying to figure out like how do i recreate this look and make something look skeuomorphic with just a few layers and be smart about it in photoshop totally yeah. Not an issue anymore <laughs> with flat design. So Yeah, there's basically nothing. Maybe icons is something that you would want to throw in and like say, Oh, this person did really creative icons. I want to figure out how to, you know, get those curves just right. But otherwise I don't know, maybe this is a sad thing, but for the most part, if you're gonna copy like a visually well designed app, you're talking about uh white space type and color as the three things that you'd be copying. There's not so much like layers or I guess animation would fit in there in, in some ways, but that's probably yeah, motion, not timing. totally visuals. That's more interaction. Yeah, but from a visual standpoint, yeah, it's circles, squares, or circles, rectangles, and text boxes. I actually don't think they're circles, to be honest. I think... Yeah, circle. you got avatars. Nope, nope. That's just a rectangle with a high border radius. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> I haven't drawn a circle in a design tool in years it's just oh really border radius that bad boy yeah yeah i guess that's fair if i know it's going to be a circle forever though i'll use a use an oval yeah but you lose the option to to ever revert from that i guess not that it really makes that much of a difference but the the sentiment is i think accurate which is yeah it's it's very few different components can make up everything that you're going to be making nowadays with flat design cool so as we've been talking through this a bunch of people have been replying on twitter we got a couple new replies literally as you were talking and the sentiment is basically the same. So I'll, I'll call out a couple tweets that I think capture this as well. And then I want to call out a couple other people that lent a few other ideas. And then I have a few more questions on this topic. So uh, Guillermo Rausch, his tweet was copying, which is true. So oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, another one from David Klein. David says, the same way that one approaches any new practice, observe, emulate, and augment that's how he learned how to play jazz music. So that works here mm. is copy. And then, you know, maybe when you get comfortable copying, you say, actually, what would it be like if I, you know, move this thing or, or use a different color or swapped out the typeface? Yeah, once you kind of internalize the rules, then you can start to break them. Only once you know the rules can you, can you start to break them because you know why you're breaking them. But yeah, by copying, you're able to kind of internalize. And, and then once you've internalized, you can branch off from there. But until then, I would never feel bad about copying ever. As long as you're not like putting it in a shipping product or something, as long as it's just a learning process. Yeah, I was, I was going to wait for the caveat here is like, uh -huh. don't copy and then claim it as your own. Don't copy it and put it on Dribbble. <laughs> Please. Yeah, copy to learn. Copy to learn, not copy to, to learn. Copy to learn. <laughs> copy to learn, then throw that bad boy in your archive folder. Uh, another tweet from Mike Rundle says, when I was in college, I cloned and recreated a lot of hard UI elements to practice techniques. Same as you, Marshall. He says, this was back when people were super talented with skeuomorphic stuff. And the best way to get better is to look at a lot of products in detail and design hundreds of screens to practice. Meili Koo also replied, like just now as, as we were talking, she says, um, if you recognize that you need help with visual work, that's already a great first step just to recognize that you need help. She says, what works best for me was getting familiar with the basic building blocks of visual problem solving. And then uh, working closely with visual designers to try and get their voice in her head. So that makes sense. Uh, find somebody who does great visuals and try to sit next to them and ask them why they're making decisions that they're making. 
Man, it's funny. I have this is this made me think of something funny, which I don't, I don't really have told anybody about this. But when when I'm designing, I imagine there's a little Steve Jobs sitting on my shoulder, <laughs> and and Marshall like basically <laughs> shitting on everything that I design until I do something good. Like it's not it's not even my own metric that I'm like you know comparing everything to. It's like. Because uh, I think Steve Jobs was notorious for like shitting on things until he praised them, right? And you know, you hear tons of stories about this kind of thing. Basically, it's like an amalgamation of every single designer who I respect, who has like mentored me in the past, or people that I look up to. Like basically, sitting on my shoulder, looking. I'm trying to see through their eyes my own work so that I can recognize the the downfalls and and, and the bad parts of it, and and realize where I'm going. Because like a lot of times as I'm designing, I'll be like, oh, well, this isn't the best, but I'm, I don't really know what will be better. And almost unerringly, when I show that to someone else, they point out the thing that I wasn't sure about. And I have to go, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure about that thing. Right. So it's it's been a process of trying to, you know, I, I can already recognize when I'm compromising on a thing and doing something that isn't the best just because I can't think of something better. And now that I are actually recognize that having to push myself further to find the right answer um, rather totally, than just yeah. going, well, yeah. this is good enough, right? But yeah, tiny Steve Jobs on my shoulder. Your little Steve buddy. No, I've never pictured Steve on my shoulder. Let's see here. I, I think, I mean, I'm just going to echo a little bit of yours, but I'll, I'll throw in a mistake that I made. So when I was getting started, uh, I loved, loved, loved psdtuts.com. Do you remember that website? Mm-hmm, I sure do. Is it still around? Yeah, they got folded up into like, or they created the Tuts Plus network and they have a ton of tutorial websites. But back in the day, it was just PSD Tuts. And they did some really, really cool things on the web with lots of textures and depth. And this was like web 2.0 at its peak. And when I was just getting started, so I did a couple things. One is I started a blog and I... What was that blog's name, Brian? It was called Elite by Design, I think. Oh, the, I thought you were going to say Design Details. Shit. Design okay. Details, no. Uh, I, I called, softballed you for a thing I didn't know the answer to. Continue. Oh, no, this was this was in high school. So th I created a site called Elite by Design. And the point of that site was I blogged about design as I was learning it. So I wrote Photoshop tutorials after I learned how to use Photoshop. But one of the things that I did was I wrote a tutorial called how to recreate psdtuts.com in Photoshop. And I gave a step-by-step -step guide to recreating their design in Photoshop. The reason that I did it was because I wanted to know how they did it. So I went layer by layer, color by color, and figured out how they made their depth effects, how they handled shadows and color and type and all this kind of stuff. But the result was I published that as a blog post and that got some blowback. So this was when I was like 16 years old. Not super ideal. So that was a mistake, but I think the intent there was, was really, you know, how a lot of people are replying on Twitter and what you've said is just copy things that you admire and and do it thoughtfully as you go to try and understand why those decisions ended up becoming visuals in the first place. You're standing on shoulders. Yeah, totally. On your climb up, <laughs> recognize what's under those shoulders. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the second big theme of people who are replying on Twitter is to to take some time to learn the fundamentals. And I think we've mentioned this, but you know, color and type and layout and hierarchy those are these are like fundamental things that there are books written about you can find thousands of blog posts about and it's worth thousands thousands millions billions but you could put you know a few days in just read books and and read some tutorials and pick up the basics of those things and then you can move on to the copying phase and and that's actually a pretty solid foundation if you have some of those 
fundamentals under your belt. Like here are rules of thumb to make typography look good. And then you can carry that forward for the rest of your career. Yeah, those rules will rarely change. Right. And if they do, it's one of those like rule breaking things because it's it's for the style. Exactly. So uh, we've covered some tweets. Your and my my take on this. So Marshall, here's what I'm curious about. More and more user interface frameworks are continuing to come out and mature. So material design being one of the big ones. And or Bootstrap would actually probably be one of the earlier ones here as an example. And I want to know what you think of younger designers who lean on those frameworks to design their earlier products and then putting that in their portfolio and getting a, either not getting a job because of that or getting a job because of that. It seems like you could get into a sticky situation either way. You get what I'm saying? Like you've used yes. a framework that looks good inherently. Does that make you a good visual designer? Does it even matter if you're going to work at a place that uses material design? Yes. Good questions. I'll, yeah, it was like eight questions, so good luck. <laughs> I'll try to answer them in somewhat coherent order. So the first thing I would say is, this goes without saying, but I'll say it anyways, just because it looks good doesn't mean it works well. Just because it works well doesn't mean it looks good. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? Yep. There are plenty of interfaces that are but ugly and work really well. And there are plenty of interfaces that are beautiful and completely unusable. So just because, uh, you know, these are not separate, these are not separate issues, they need to both be good. Okay, so one of the things that I love about design systems like Material or Apple's HIG is that you can learn so much just by going through the work that they've already done. These are these are great shoulders to stand on. And like I said, you know, you should you should figure out what went into those shoulders. That's a weird way to say it. But you know what I mean? <laughs> so like, I think there are things that you can infer based on going through material design. And and there are there are a bunch of questions you need to ask yourself anytime you start to define an, a design style or, you know, create a spec. And, you know, these are questions that are very, very fundamental questions. And it's interesting because once you make, when you, once you come up with an answer for these questions, they inform so much down the line, right? So for example, what is my atomic unit of measurement, right? Is this a, a four point grid? Is this a five point grid? That will determine how you measure everything. So like, right. what is my, okay, if I'm working on a five point grid, then, okay, what size are the gutters on the left and right side of, say we're doing a phone screen, like what's, what size are the, the gutters on the left and right, the, the, the margins? If, I, if I'm on a four point grid, it's probably going to be 16 or maybe 20, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm on a five point grid though, it's probably going to be 10 or 15 or 20, right? Mm -hmm. Also depends on the content of the app. Yeah, it depends on the device of the app too, right? iPad is probably going to have, you know, tablets are going to have a wider margin than a phone. So I love design systems because you get to see the answers in, in bold, right? They're, it's kind of read between the lines a little bit, but like you can see like, well, there's a consistent 16 point margin on the left and right of every single component in this entire system. So at some point very early on, they decided here's 16 points, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or like what their what their atomic unit was and, and et cetera, and that informs everything. So like that's the kind of thinking I'm, I'm talking about when you're when you're looking at this stuff. So with material, all those decisions are made for you. Now the the determining factor of whether it's a good design or not is how you use those building blocks. Are you using the proper pattern to, to achieve the user goal? Uh, that you have in mind, right? So I think, yes, design design systems will uh, take away some of the agency from the designer, 
but it doesn't mean that you get a good design for free because there are still plenty of ways to fuck up, <laughs> um, uh, even though you're using pre-made components. So does it hurt you at all to, to use this, to show this? I kind of see it as like a, a an engineer who knows a bunch of different languages. Like Material is just a language, and yeah. showing fluency in it is a good thing. If that's the only language you know, then that's bad. But if it's one of the many languages you know, that's good. Um, and showing your fluency in that language is, is a positive thing regardless. And especially if you're interviewing at a place that has an app that is built on Material or the Apple Hig or whatever, showing that you have a familiarity with that is a, a boon to you because they won't have to teach you anything. Yeah, that's super positive, yeah. So w would you recommend that you know studying the visuals of these things is, is worth while for someone who's just new to design absolutely build build all of your initial apps with material or or just copy hig sort of default components i would use it at the very least as a bible right so when i was growing up i, I wanted to be an animator when i was when i was very young disney movies and stuff and there was this book called the illusion of life big fat book and it basically was the bible for how to be an animator it was written by oh, okay. the nine old men like ollie johnston and frank thomas those guys from from disney and they they basically knew everything and they wrote it down in a book that anybody could just go get. And like, you know, you, if you pour through this thing, you can learn everything you want to know. They've learned everything and they just put it down and you just read it. And I feel like that's what design systems are. It's like someone who ostensibly knows what they're doing is pouring all of their knowledge into this thing that you can just look at and 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 see all of these lessons in practice, right? So at the very least, I would I would see material and Apple Hig and others as as Bibles, a, a way for you to, to to learn. If even if you don't use that specifically in in your job, like that, there are still so many lessons to learn from other people who've already had to learn those lessons. You get to stand on their shoulders. You notice a theme going on, Brian, with shoulder standing. I notice the theme. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, does that make sense, though? It makes total sense. I... Does that answer your question? I forget what the original question. Was. Yeah, I guess I was trying to get it. Like, is there a danger in in you? You did answer this, but is there a danger in having your portfolio be so heavily dependent on the visuals of existing frameworks that when you're applying to companies, you've kind of shot yourself in the foot because you haven't done anything? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, uh, you you did answer I it. I guess I I'm just wondering if, if if people could over over index on those things. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. If you sure. only know one language or you only talk in one language, even if you know others, you're you're not doing yourself the best. You could. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's good to know them, but branch out. Be as be as widely knowledgeable as possible as you can. And luckily, all this shit is free. Most of the apps that I've I learned from or that I've like adopted patterns from or like added to my mental catalog of things one can do in an app, all that stuff came from free apps, right? Just right. get out there and, and, and look around. Um, there's so much to learn just by looking. It's all free. It's just a matter of taking the time to do it. Okay, so we've gotten, uh, you're over the hump. Let's assume people, they've copied, critiqued, read and and built up some practice around the fundamentals of visuals and now they are you marshall so talk to me about what it's like you've you're at google inside this material world what do you do to stay up to date on your visual skills to learn more to practice new techniques what are you doing to keep that edge sharp i mean i think i've mentioned it before but i i um <laughs> i do unpublished 
unsolicited redesigns uh, of things that I find lacking. Um, so yeah, if I'm if I'm using an app and I'm like, oh, I wish it worked this way, I will design that. Uh, I'll, I'll go home and I will try and stay in the style of whatever app I'm I'm designing for, um, so that I have to talk in their language. But then I'll, I'll try and and make it work the way I want it to work, right? Not just visuals, but structure and and usability, right? It's a it's a muscle you have to flex, and if you don't flex the muscle, it gets weak. So yeah, I'm 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 constantly flexing flexing my uh, design try hard muscles. I don't know. Yeah. Do you ever find yourself leaning too hard on rules of thumb that you've picked up and stashed away? Like for me, if anybody's ever looked at anything I've done in the last like two years, it kind of looks the same. I think I've perhaps become a little bit visually lazy because I found something that works for me. So I've, Mm -hmm. I've got the colors that I like, the type that I like, the weights and size, the white space. So my website, the SpecFM website, security checklist, like all this stuff, you can tell it's just the same thing, even though, does that make sense? So I'm wondering if, yeah. if you've ever gotten stuck in your own rut and how you got out of that. I, I guess so. Like I, I work at Google, so I'm, I'm mostly in the material world. YouTube has its own flavor of material, but yeah, I think design is an art, right? And any artist Whoa. copies or emulates any... Oh, sorry, did I just say something controversial? I don't know. I don't want to get into that whole thing. Yeah, let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, but I, th- I think any artist, you go through a, a period where you are just basically aping your influences, whether it's music or painting or whatever. You you have influences and you kind of copy them. Poetry is the same thing, right? Uh or writing and but eventually you develop your own voice you develop your own style you develop your own aesthetic and that's usually a a combination of all of your influences but it's no one of them and there's nothing new under the sun right everything is just a new combination of existing things for the most part right it's just a, a combination that's never been put together before like yeah there's sci-fi movies and yeah there's romantic comedies but hey this is a sci-fi romantic comedy right yeah so yeah i I don't think i would feel bad about develop like when you get to the point where you know all the rules you start to gravitate towards a certain aesthetic no that's just you coming into your own voice and developing your own style yeah yeah but like uh picasso you'll probably go through phases where eventually you'll grow tired of your blue period and you'll go into your cubism period or whatever. I see. So maybe someday I'll, I'll break some color into my designs is what you're suggesting. I'm saying you're Pablo, <laughs> Pablo Picasso. That's exactly what I'm saying. Oh, wow. I'm I'm flattered, humbled, honored. You're welcome. Um, and if I look at all the work that I do on my personal website, I can't help but see the resemblance between that and Picasso's work. So thank you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and um, I speak truth, Brian. <laughs> Oh, I did. I did want to say one more thing. Uh, so one of the replies that uh, we got was from Joel Khalifa. And he says, I looked at my work and I knew it was bad. I remember working my first agency gig and my boss was like, uh, why are you using rainbows for a car insurance site? And it clicked that I needed to get better at thinking as well as execution. And then he links to a video by Ira Glass, which I've seen before and I, I think is is perfect, which is the idea that your your taste if it is better than your skill, that's that's a great level lever for you to be able to grow. As long as your taste continues to show you that your skill is not good enough, and you continue to grow your skill, you will always continue to get better because you're aiming for. You, you can recognize that your current level is not where you want to be. As long as that keeps keeps ratcheting up, 
then you keep getting better. And yeah, so it's 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 a good thing if you look at your work and you go, I'm shitty, right? Because <laughs> well, well, to a degree, don't don't beat yourself up. <laughs> okay, I, I I beat myself up more than you probably should, but it's the people who look at their shitty work and go, this is excellent that never grow, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's good to be able to look at your best attempt and say, this is better than it used to be, but still not good enough. Keep striving. So yeah, that, that's a, a great point to bring up Joel. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And his, his, uh, Twitter handle is not details. So he's the anti-design details. So there you go. Joel's the anti mm-hmm. all of us. Just kidding, Joel. Joel's the best. He's a good design boy. Cool. Well, this feels, feels like a, a good, place to end that conversation i guess if, if we missed anything people can let us know so if we're missing something tweet at us i'm sure we missed a ton oh yeah of course we missed a ton but tweet at us we're at design details fm uh if you had resources or books or things that you use to learn visual design at the very beginning uh maybe we can fit those into a follow-up next week or we can put those into next week's show notes somehow but yeah we, it'd be cool to to continue building that sort of knowledge base so that New designers feel like they have a great jumping off point into to visuals. So uh, anything else you want to add on to that, Marsh? Otherwise, I think we should should wrap up. Let's wrap this thing up. And uh, yeah, I'll do a real quick one cool thing. So okay. YouTube channel, big surprise. Oh, so unique. Yeah, I know. Prepare thyself. So one of my favorite YouTube channels is this. She's not huge. It's, I think she has like 360,000 subscribers, which is nothing to sneeze at. But her name is Jenny Nicholson. And uh, yeah. she's this nerdy lady who no frills videos where she's basically just sitting on her bed talking into the camera, ranting uh, in a hilarious deadpan voice um, about certain things. And she reviews movies and books and recently she she went to the pandora like avatar navi theme park thing uh i think <laughs> in california florida i don't know but they built basically like a, a an animal kingdom style uh, themed after the avatar movie and and she always is like in in cosplay so she's dressed up as the thing that she's reviewing but usually in like super cheap uh discount cosplay <laughs> like for the Avatar thing, she bought a bunch of stuff from the Avatar store. So she's wearing like these stupid ears and, and it's really, it's all very sarcastic. Um, but she's hilarious and she usually is reviewing stuff that I have already seen or I'm already familiar with. So it's interesting to see her take on it. Uh, usually long videos, but um, hilarious all the way through. Like I said, deadpan, sarcastic, fucking hilarious. She cracks me up. So highly recommended. Jenny Nicholson. Link in the show notes. I think the first video that you indoctrinated me into from her channel was the uh, review of Ready Player One, the film. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah, she's great, man. <laughs> she's me up. very funny. Very, very funny. Cool. My one cool thing this week is hydrocodone acetaminophen. <laughs> uh, maybe not a good thing. Maybe not a good thing to be promoting. Uh, are they paying us? No, they're not paying us. <laughs> I got injured yesterday. And I'm on it. <laughs> I'm on the pain pills right now recording this episode. Yeah, I don't have a cool thing this week. How did how did you hurt yourself, Brian? I fell snowboarding. I was going off like a 40, 45 foot jump. Uh, at that level, I'm usually doing like double backflips. Uh, yesterday, I thought I'd go for a triple. Beefed it a little bit, hit the knuckle. Ugh, hate that. Landed on my shoulder, hurt my shoulder. Yeah, those triple backflips, man, they're tricky to land. But, you know, you got to go for it. Well, you just got to pull and tuck. 
that's the main thing. Spot your landing. You want to actually know how I hurt myself, Marshall? <laughs> yes, please. I slipped on my snowboard when I was getting off the chairlift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's more real. That sounds that sounds more accurate. Yep. So uh, for anyone listening, I'm, I've am i got a my microphone basically propped against a, a sling. I will be one-armed <sighs> for a while until I figure out if I need surgery. And in the meantime... I am on hydrocodone, acetaminophen, and uh, trying to to make it back from Tahoe in one Feeling piece. Feeling no pain. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope you feel better. Feeling no Brian. pain, but I'm but I very much had clarity of mind throughout this episode. I think I'm winding down here at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's based on the pregnant pause during that last statement. I think they uh, it might Something be kicking is in a little kicking bit. Something kicking in. Here. And Drew, please edit this so I don't sound like a total bozo. Thank you. Cool. All right, so those are the cool things. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you for listening. Let us know what you thought. We're on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM, or you can just tweet at Marshall or I or send us direct messages. We love getting questions and side projects to review. I think we're going to review a side project next week. So tweet at us. We're at Design Details FM. And of course, before we go, thank you so much to our sponsors for making this episode possible. So thanks to Abstract. Abstract is a design workflow management system for modern design teams. So it's like GitHub for designers, but to your team's version-controlled source of truth for your design work. So bring all your design workflow into a single unified place for designers, developers, and stakeholders so you can keep your work moving forward. Sign up your team for a free 30-day trial today by heading over to goabstract.com. And if you tweet at GoAbstract or Design Details FM with the phrase Improve My Design Workflow, you'll be entered for a chance to win a $500 credit to their business plan. So thanks for the sponsorship, Abstract. Much appreciated. Who else we got, Brian? Thank you, Abstract. Uh, this episode was also brought to you by ReadyMag.com. ReadyMag lets you design anything on the web, anything in your head that you want to get on the internet. They will help you do it without writing a single line of code. But if you know you want to work on something, but you're not sure exactly how it should look or how it should work, they're going to help you out. They give you a ton of awesome templates right out of the box with over 1,500 fonts, uh, advanced animations, all for free without having to write a single line of code. And then when you are ready to upgrade to that advanced plan and get things like a custom domain, add your own custom code, or or implement some analytics, uh, you can do that and you'll get 40% off when you upgrade to their advanced plan using the promo code design details, the first 50 people who do that will get 40% off that first payment. So go to readymag.com. If you want to make a website without writing a single line of code, start making stuff for free and then upgrade using the promo code design details. Thank you very much. ReadyMag. Thanks ReadyMag. And thank you everyone else for, for tuning in. This was a, a fun episode. And uh, of course, thank you to Sarah and Drew, our producers, our masterers, and editors who make us sound smarter than we are. They've made this episode possible. And uh, if you want more podcasts for designers and developers, also produced by our amazing crew like Sarah and Drew, go to spec.fm. We've got podcasts for designers and developers just like you. That's at spec.fm. And uh, yeah, that's it for this week. Sweet. See you next week, Brian. See you next week. TTFN. Ta-ta for now. Mm, smooth.
We're back. Guess who's back? <laughs> back uh, again. The, bo- the boys are back. It's episode 280 in town. Uh, in town. Okay, let's redo this. 